All right, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good? All right. Has everyone made it through the, uh, the snow this week? Yeah, we made it. Last night I was checking the weather, like really late on the Weather Channel, and it said that the polar vortex is actually starting to move south and east. So this Thursday we might actually get 27 to 32 inches of snow. No, I'm just kidding. That, that's, that's a really bad joke right now, right? That's probably the, the worst jokes anyone could make. I'm just kidding. Hopefully, hopefully we're, we're good for now. But uh, anyway, I have a question to ask, ask you guys. It's a funny question. How many of you guys are fans of Michael Jackson? A lot of you? And, and I know the rest of you are. You're just not raising your hands, all right? And how many of you have seen the uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller video? Yeah? You've all seen it? Everyone's seen it. Okay, confess. It's okay. It's all right. Does anyone know the dance? I know Scott Hosier knows the dance. If you want, he could demonstrate it to us. No, I'm just kidding. You can sit down. Maybe after. So uh, if, you, if you don't know what that video is, if you haven't seen uh, the Michael Jackson video, it's uh, basically a video in which he turns into a zombie and a werewolf and people come out, remember people come out of the graves and they all start dancing, they all start doing like the, like the thriller dance together. And that's sort of, it's sort of it, right? Yeah. And what used to freak me out is what, like the, at, the, at the very end, like, you know, you think that it's all a dream and he's walking away with his girlfriend like this and then at the end his eyes turn around and like his eyes turn yellow and, and it's like the werewolf eyes. I remember... Um, Whenever that video would come on, I would put my uh, five-year-old brother at, at the time in the room and shut off the lights, and it would like totally <laughs> freak him out. It, it, was, it, it was really bad. But um, in case you're wondering, uh, this morning we're not going to talk about Michael Jackson, but we are going to talk about zombies or dead people. So what better way to talk about dead people than to bring one here, Right? So I, I brought a dead person here today that, uh, that we're going to take a look at. Uh-oh. So just so you know, all the Halloween decorations are on clearance <laughs> right now in case, you need, in case you needed some. So I'll just leave this right over here. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about um, dead people. So we're going to take a look at uh, a passage that, that, that talks a little bit about skeletons and, and bones and things like that. It's kind of weird or creepy. I'm glad the, the, the kids are in root, so they won't have to, won't have to see this. But um, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. That's Ezekiel chapter 37. Now, first what I'll do is I'll just give you a little bit, a little bit of uh, background of uh, what's going on. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. It's like a, a weird-sounding uh, name for a prophet. So just to give you some background, Ezekiel is an Old Testament prophet, and he was the king during the time of Israel where uh, the Babylonian Empire had invaded Israel and brought the people out in exile. You see, back in those days, when invading armies came in, the the best way they could disrupt and destroy a nation was to exile the people out. 
So if they came into Israel and took out all the top politicians and leaders and landowners, and they grabbed them and they took them out because that would disrupt the fabric of their society. So um, 10,000 people, along with Ezekiel, they were exiled out uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar. And what had been happening around this time is that Israel, you know, it was God's chosen nation, was falling into sin. They were following other gods and, and idolatrous practices, and, and, and they were falling into sin. So, so God wanted to, to give Ezekiel a message to give to these 10,000 uh, Israelite people that were in Babylon. So God calls him, and while Ezekiel's out here in Babylon, he gives him a vision of what's going on back in their homeland in Israel. Okay? And because of Israel's sin, God's spirit eventually leaves Jerusalem and the city falls in 587 BC. So just so you know, that's the, the geopolitical climate. That's the, that's the backstory of what's going on. So, that, so just keep that in mind as we take a look at, uh, at the scripture. Verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere, across the ground, and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, only you alone know the answer to that. Verse 3, Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. So here we have uh, Ezekiel seeing this, this surreal, nightmarish vision of this valley you know, filled with all these bones and, and skeletons, and, and he doesn't know what to make of it. He asks, God asks him, do you think these dry bones can, can come to life again? And he's, he, he probably thinks it's impossible, but doesn't want to answer the question. He says, oh God, only you know the answer to that. Because prior to this time, there was no concept of, of, of the bodily resurrection, like Jesus' bodily resurrection. So this was totally outside of his, his understanding. So th- there are two things that, that these dry bones represent. So, so, you know, we have a skeleton here, some dry bones. The first thing in this vision is that these dry bones represented the physical loss and defeat and exile of the people of Israel. You know, these people were exiled out of their homeland, and, and it signified death. So, so that was the first thing that, that it represented. The second thing that it represented was the spiritual decay and the spiritual loss and the spiritual death uh, and that condition of God's people. All right? That, that's a symbolic second thing. You know, whenever you see dry bones... You take a look at it, and, and you're like, you know what? There's no way this thing can come back to life. You know, I was, uh, when I was in Africa, we went on this safari, and we saw this, like, huge, like, skeleton of, like, some animal. I don't know what is it, bison or elephant or something like that. And we, we took a look at it, and, it, you know, there's flies. It was really hot outside. And we looked at it, and we're like, you know what? There's no way. There's no physical way that this thing can be regenerated or, or can come back to life again. 
You see, what, what God is trying to show us through this passage is that a lifestyle of sin leads us into a condition of, of going astray and spiritual death. A lifestyle of sin leads people to go astray. You guys remember uh, the story of the Israelite people, right? They were, they were God's chosen people. You know, they, they, were, they belonged to God. They were his people. He was their God. They had the commandments. They had the traditions. And they loved God together. But over time, what had happened was they, they started looking at these other idols and these other gods that were in these surrounding nations. And they started worshiping them and they started uh, doing traditions that, that weren't theirs and, and started getting themselves into sin and evil and what happened over time, they started out here, and then over time, generations after generations, they, they were living in a life of sin that was far away from, from where they had started, to the point where they did find themselves spiritually dead, and where they found themselves in a place of exile. You know, for the, the, the people of Israel today, having that homeland is, is a very important thing. But over time in the past, sin leads people astray. And you know, the same thing is true for all of us here. For all of us here. Sometimes we feel like we're zombies ourselves. You know, on the outside, everything looks great. But on the inside, we are dead. And, and we're spiritually decaying and we're spiritually dying. You know, maybe, maybe there's a time once where we started out and, and we were whole, or at least we thought we were whole. But over time, we, we allowed sin to enter in. We started worshiping other idols instead of God, consuming other things, and, and it started a habit of destruction and a pattern of destruction where over time it started to eat us out from the inside and we got to the point where, where we found ourselves like these dry bones in exile. And you know what zombies do? It seems like every other movie and every other TV show now has zombies in it, right? You know what zombies do? Like, what, they, they go out and try to, like, eat people, right? I think they try to eat people's hearts or whatever. So just like zombies, we, we go out trying to consume things, consume things to, to make us feel alive, to make us, to give us a glimpse of what it is like to, to live again. And some of us, maybe it's, it's, it's consumerism or, or addiction or depression. You know, uh, this past week we, we, heard, we heard sadly about the death of uh, the actor Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was an award-winning actor. Uh, but there was something inside of him that, that wanted to, to feel more alive and, and he turned to other things. And the same thing is true for us too. Even if you're walking with Jesus. You know, we, we face things too. Like we walk around like zombies but, but, but we're looking for something that could, that could make us come alive. For me, in my times of anxiety and, and anger and, and stress, I would turn to other things. I would turn to things like food and like all sorts of other things to, to, to make me feel alive because I didn't, I, I didn't know how to let God make me come alive. So sometimes, uh, you know, for all of us, you know, we look at, out into our communities and, and we see people that, that are zombies, people maybe just like us that, that are alive, might look alive on the outside, but are dead on the inside. Maybe it's you or, or someone that you know that, 
is looking around trying to consume something to feel alive. Maybe it's a drug. Maybe it's a toy. Maybe it's, it's a fantasy. But for some of us in our, in our dead state, we close our eyes and we have a dream of, of what it might be like to be truly alive again. We close our eyes and we have a dream of, we remember, remember that worship service that we were at on Sunday where, where we were worshiping and God's spirit was here. You know, I felt alive then. Or when, they, when someone extended God's love and goodness to them, they came alive. As zombies, sometimes we, we, we take a breath and we close our eyes and we feel the warmth of the presence of God and his spirit blow through us. And that's what, what happened in this, in this vision that Ezekiel had. Let's take a look at verse 4 through 10 and we'll see what happened. 30, Ezekiel 37 verses 4 through 10. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath in you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he had told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling of noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as a complete skeleton. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over these bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breathe from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he had commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet as a great army. I'll read uh, verse 6 again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Does that verse remind us of anything that happened earlier in the scripture? Does that sound familiar to anyone? Do you remember in the creation story, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? We read, Then the Lord God formed the man from dust, from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So you can only imagine what was going through Ezekiel's mind throughout this time, throughout this vision. He was seeing all these surreal things. And, and back in those days, there was no CGI, there was no computer graphics, there was no special effects. He's seeing all these, these bones coming to life and flesh forming over them and, and, and skin forming over them, and, and it's blowing his mind. It's out of this world. But it's a hope that God gives. There's two things that this means. The first is that God was showing that he was going to restore his people back out of exile. Remember, the people were exiled into Babylon. God was going to restore them back into their homeland, into their promised land. And the second thing 
was that God was going to restore us spiritually. God was going to restore us, you and me, out of our condition of spiritual death. What God was going to do is he was going to make us again. He was going to recreate us again, or he was to give birth to us again. You see, for many of us, well, for all of us, the power of sin is not something that we could defeat on our own. The power of sin is only something that God could defeat and that God can do in us through the power of Jesus. You see, God initiates this whole process. God initiates the dry bones becoming flesh. God initiates restoring us from our condition of sin to a condition of being alive. Last year, I bought a, a Mazda 3. It was, it was a refurbished, certified, pre-owned. God's not going to give us a refurbished, pre-owned anything. He's not going to refurbish us. In this passage, he promised that he was going to recreate us. He was going to give birth to us again and put his breath in us to wash over us. You see, Jesus, God sent Jesus to earth to come to the cross to die for our sins and to be resurrected so that we could have new life. You see, God sent Jesus to come down and, and when he came down and, and he was walking around with his disciples in, in Galilee and, and, and Judea, he would see all these zombies and these skeletons around and he would go up to them and say, would you like me to recreate you? Would you like to have new life again? That is what Jesus does. Would you like me to recreate you? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs, into, belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. That's a question that I have for you today. Would you like to be born again, or would you like to be recreated again in the life that God gives us? You know, being created, recreated, is, is a process that happens in stages. You know, it starts with our cells and our tissues and our muscles and our skins. It happens over time. When Jesus looks to us, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you my mind. Take my mind. It's filled with, with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I'm going to put my mind into you. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to give you my heart. My heart is, is filled with love and compassion for God and his people. I'm going to put my heart into you. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to give you my hands. My hands are here to, to, to love and, and bless and anoint people with the power of God. I'm going to give you my hands. I'm going to give you my feet. My feet that are ready to go out and bring the gospel to those who, who haven't heard. Let God breathe his new life into you. Let God breathe his new life into you. You see, there, there are many of us here today that... that 
Maybe we, we've already had this, this experience with Jesus. Maybe we're, we're already walking with Jesus and we've been reanimated back to life. But the problem is we, we don't know how to function in this new body. You know, we had the old body and now we have this new eternal body, but, but we don't know how to function in it. And everything's still, you know, still kind of awkward. It's because we're trying to do things the old ways. You know, we're trying to use old mechanisms to work a new body. But, you know, we can't be just a person with a new body. We have to be a person that has a new spirit in us. And that's his spirit. That's God's spirit. Let's take a look at verse 11 through 14 and see what this has to say to us. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. You see, God promised Ezekiel, that something now would be completely new. Something now would be completely different than, than what has ever happened before in history. And now it, that is God putting his actual spirit inside of us. We're not going back to the old ways. See, what does this mean? When, when God puts his spirit in us, it replaces the, spirit, the, the sinful nature that is in us. It replaces the old nature with a new nature of his life that is life-giving. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 through 16 beautifully paints a picture of what this looks like. Let me read it for you. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For the spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Galatians 5 verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. To have God's spirit in us means that we learn how to live again. We learn how to function in this new life because his new spirit is in us. And instead of, like before, living from the outside in, we're now living from the inside out. We start each morning differently. We wake up in the morning and we sit with God and we experience his power and his spirit and his presence. 
When we go to work, our, our decision-making changes, our integrity changes, the things that we d- would have done before, we now follow God's Spirit on. When we face temptation with the Spirit of God in us, instead of following the old ways, we follow His Spirit His way, in His direction. The other thing that happens when, when God's Spirit is alive in us is that we, we steer clear of our old ways. You know, what we say, you know what? I don't want the polluted air that I used to breathe. I don't want all the noise. I don't want the distractions that, that used to take over me, all the things that used to make me feel alive. I want the Spirit of God because those old things aren't going to give us the same joy anymore. How do we get to know the Spirit of God when, when we spend time with Him His spirit comes alive in us. When we read the word, the the, the words, the messages come to life in what he wants to speak to us. When we come together in worship and we sing songs, his spirit comes alive and speaks to our hearts. When we go to our missional communities, we, we come together as a community and we pray for each other and we bless each other and we encourage each other and his spirit is present and alive and full. You see, the, the, the interesting thing is, is, is when we start doing this, one day we, we wake up and we look in the mirror and we can't even recognize ourselves because we don't look like this anymore. We look like a totally new person. We look like a person that's alive. One day we look in the mirror and we realize that that we're not just living, we're truly alive. Galatians 5 verse 22, this is a picture of what we look like. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Our nature and our actions change and we're truly be living. Let God breathe his new life into you. Let God breathe his new life into you. As we close, I I just want you to to imagine something. You know, imagine the town that you live in, whether it's Mawa or Midland Park or Hawthorne or Ramsey or Allendale. Think about the the town that you live in. You know, when you look around, you know, you see that, that just like some of us, maybe there are so many zombies there too. You look around, you see skeletons and, and zombies, people that on the outside look alive, but on the inside, they might be decaying. When you look, close your eyes and look around in, in your town, the question I have for you is, do you see a valley of dry bones? Do you see a valley of dry bones? Or like Ezekiel, do you see a vision of God breathing new life, turning these dry bones into living flesh? Do you see a vision of God breathing life into his people, recreating them anew, giving birth to them anew, giving hope, healing, restoration, peace, joy, and freedom from pain and addiction? Is that the vision that you have for your town, for your community? Is that the vision that we have as a plant to see happen in our valleys?
If we want to see this happen, it has to start with us. It has to start with you and me. Let God breathe his new life in you so that you can bring his new life to others. We're going to enter into a time of uh, communion now. And I just want you to think about some of these things that, that, that we shared about. And I'm going to invite Scott and the band to, to come up and, and get ready for communion. And uh, let's just bow our heads in prayer and, 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 and process through, through some of these things and prepare your hearts.